Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Good. to the Hoovian Review. I'm Shelby. I'm Michael. I'm Colin. I'm Kelsey. And tonight we're going to actually go into episode 7 of series 12, which is of course, as you can probably tell from our intro, Can You Hear Me? What? (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say? Oh dear, here we go again. Why was this episode called Can You Hear Me? Because they had fingers in their ears, I guess? That would probably be a good, accurate... I just feel <laughs> like it was kind of random. That's a good question. I mean, there's oh, some, well, no, there's some like, it, hearing through time thing, you know, that one um, obligatory creature of the week that we had. And, you know, it, it the, kind of happened in the other opposite direction in the beginning where the doctor's like, oh, where's that coming from? And, you know, kind of zipped into Aleppo. I think it's a reference to Yaz's uh, dream sequence, which, of course, is actually based in reality, where she is stranded in the middle of the road, out in the middle of nowhere, and nobody can hear her. I think it's the ear. I think it's the finger in the ear thing. That could be it, too. I just feel like the title shouldn't be this... You know, a, yeah, this vague and apart from the episode that, like, we are not quite sure. It's <laughs> true. I, I, we don't. We rarely critique the episode names. I mean, where, where did Praxius come from last week? That was the name of the plastic monster. Ah, uh, still not good enough. <laughs> not good enough. Well, I mean, I just want to know, like, why nobody's nightmare was an old man with his fingers popping off and then like stabbing well, you in the ear with them like that's scary enough we don't no, think no, 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 now. hang on no 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 it was it was ryan's friend uh he was like i have these terrifying dreams about this old man and when i open my eyes he's in the room everyone else had a nightmare about something different and then woke up and saw that dude standing there or something else standing there. But, like, that was the only one where he was like, I saw this guy in my dreams and he looked exactly like that in real life. Yeah, it's like Harry Potter being afraid of the Dementors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Fear itself. (laughs) um, Zelen, you know, the the, the evil antagonist this week. um, Zelen the felon. Yes, the the fingering immortal um, that goes into your dreams. Um, he, he definitely did allude to the fact that he was constructing himself in the image of other people's nightmares. So that, that is a plausible scenario where, you know, Ryan's friend, you know, he might have gotten most of his form, you know, just from perusing around in that subconscious. How would you like to be the actor that gets that role? Like, uh, we, we wanted to cast somebody who's, like, out of people's nightmares as the character. <laughs> well, I'm sure they did a lot of makeup. <laughs> They did a very, he did a pretty good job acting in that role. I'll give him credit there. Yeah. Although uh, it's interesting because, like, like in this episode, uh, we know that this is an eternal. Uh, that's what he calls himself. Immortal. And then 
Well, he's immortal, but he says the Eternals as in... No, no, no. He called himself an immortal. Referenced the Eternals, like, from Enlightenment, Fifth Doctor. Oh, okay. And referenced, you know, the The, Celestial Toolmaker, who's another immortal. And then, yeah, the Guardians. Black and white. Yeah, from Fourth Doctor era and a little bit of Fifth. So more, like, throwbacks to old classic Doctor. Yeah. Although, I... It it was more of a, like... (laughs) Just throwing out names. It was more of a passing thought that there are other creatures that are in the universe of Doctor Who that are more "quote unquote" godlike. I don't think that they're necessarily gods. They just have certain. Abilities. Well, they can't die, right? Or can they? Well, they are mortals, so I mean, they as you said, so them. I'm guessing that they can't. Although they did name themselves that. <laughs> true. We don't know. If well, truly we have, immortal. you know, of, of the ones that we've encountered so far, none of them have died, and they all seem to be of the opinion that they cannot. They seem to be able to apparate wherever they go in the yeah. entire universe. So, I mean, if you tried to kill them, you probably wouldn't because they yeah. just disappear. Yeah. Well, they certainly have some limitations. You know, it, it, it might, it might the even be up in hand to re- be released from that. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it might even be a thing of you know they have different rules interacting with our universe, our dimension, you know, so they couldn't open the lock. Maybe they can't be killed by anything that exists in our universe, yeah, but could from their own or something. And, and maybe it's just in our own minds, but I feel like this season is really pumping a lot about the idea of, like, there's a lot more outside this universe. There are things yeah. coming yeah. on outside that are coming in, and I think we're zeroing in on a lot of the big mysteries that were set up back at the end of Spyfall here. Well, even last season, because the one episode I saw from last season was at the Solitrax yeah, or whatever. So you're that right. was another, like, being. And I, I think it's all gearing up to this timeless child of, like, maybe the timeless child is also an immortal being. Right, that, that's what I was thinking. Maybe the Time Lords are all forged from immortals. You know, immortals live forever, they're bored by things. Maybe this is a construct of. Hey, maybe we can keep some sanity out of something interesting by separating our life into 13 regenerations, maybe more. You know, maybe we can separate ourselves into a whole species and deal with that. I, I yeah. feel like, you know, we definitely saw a or maybe they of created a timeless the- child reference here. I, I don't think it was by accident. I think they're definitely giving a, a nod to something. I think there's something for us to figure out. That's oh. a good point. And then maybe, you know, it could be something as simple as they created the Time Lords for the purpose of entertainment because they did say they'd been watching the Doctor. Yeah. Or maybe the Time Lords are their mortal enemies and the Timeless Child shut them out of the universe and now they're creeping back in because... Mm. The, the Time Lord planet is all messed up. Maybe they're but not that even doesn't real. Explain Maybe they're, the other they're doctor. Time Lords are the nightmares of, you know, the Daleks from another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're really getting convoluted here. Um, <laughs> let's get back to, to this. Earth. Let's get back to this episode. Oh, yeah, back to Earth again. <laughs> back to yeah, Earth. We are at, at, it seems like the place get that all, the reality. setting for all of these stories is Earth. At least we went back to Syria in the 1300s. And then we did go into space for a while. Yeah. We did. We did across, across the universe, and we brought Tahira and the TARDIS. So I guess she's you, you know kind of a semi companion. I know. Well, that, that was cool. I felt like in a lot of ways they seemed to like make it seem like she could potentially become a companion. Which, to be honest, I liked her, but it was like four companions. No way. I mean, um, I, but I'm like you know, that's clearly not happening. I felt like Ryan might be on his way out. Graham too has made some. They all might be, because they're all kind of talking like, I mean, cop girl might decide maybe I should actually go for this whole cop thing. Like, Brian might be like, my friend needs me. 
Or I might be like, oh, I have cancer and I'm dying. No, I, I was thinking Graham would be more like, I need to stop running away from my problems and actually deal with this whole my wife dying thing. Right. I, I feel like everybody's nightmare in, in this scenario, you know, minus um, Aleppo Girl, um, really had a lot to do with the doctor's influence in their lives. You know, clearly it was Ryan right there worried about who am I leaving behind? Who am I not sharing my life with? You know, that was his kind of nightmare. And, you know, you see Graham is coming up with fears that he hasn't encountered, you know, that he, he's still holding about going back to his regular life. So he has cancer looming over him, you know, without grace. And then, of course, um, we have Yaz, too, you know, talking, you know, and, and feasibly missing some of her life as a police officer there. And, and with her know, sister. I mean, she missed that right. whole dinner. And her sister was the one that called the cops on her when she left and is always worried about her. And... Her sister's life is obviously like falling apart. She can't keep a job, and but so she can she, cook. Yeah, she I can mean, cook. maybe she, that's where she should start looking for employment in the culinary arts. That might not be a bad idea. Yeah, I think as a chef, you can tell everybody in the back kitchen that they're annoying and keep her job. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like a criteria it's for being a, a top chef. It <laughs> does feel like they're setting something up. And it's either and one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot in this season where Ryan tends to say I'll always be there for you or I'll coming back for you or I'm do, I'm going to see you again kind of thing, and that just just kind of feels like a foreshadowing that something could actually happen to him where he may not come back um, to see everyone. Not necessarily that he dies, but that he could just be out. Get stranded, yeah. See, and I think the opposite. I think it's a something keeps pulling him back, so he can't like fully commit to being a companion. And so I think I think he's gonna be like, I can't go anymore. Like, I could see Yaz staying. Oh, I could definitely see Yaz saying. Matter of fact, I think you need at least one companion to stay, so that the emotional impact, since the doctor seems to have almost none, um, would actually be felt by the audience. Well, here's okay. This is probably like a way out of left field theory, but like. Bring it like, what if all the companions leave and the doctor and the master join forces at the end of the season and they kind of have like a uh, season together? Did it? Just the two of them? Not just sure. the two of them, but it, but it, it was it, yeah, kind of. It's kind I, of been there. I'd love months. to see it. I mean, that might give some clarity to the whole Missy to this master situation. You know, if there could be a resolve. Yeah, they could potentially tie that together and and make something really interesting going forward. Well, yeah, I'm very skeptical that they would do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like this whole. I keep wanting to call it empty child, timeless child. Like, (laughs) if if that doesn't get resolved, like maybe they're like, we've got to go figure out and like save our home planet and deal with this stuff. Well, the master destroyed the their home planet. But maybe he was lying. Maybe he just figured that's the only way she'll go check it out. At the very least, he was uncooperative. It sounded like he knew the answers and he didn't want to tell them because... Well, it's very Dumbledore-esque, stuff. you know? Well, like, you have to discover it on your own in order to truly comprehend. Yeah, that's not really his goal. He's just kind of a jerk. You don't know. No, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and him going and spitefully murdering a bunch of people just because he was pissed off and then possibly also so he could throw it in the doctor's yeah, face like, is totally his MO. <laughs> yeah, we have a good, like, what, 60 years of evidence for that? Yeah. What if he's not the master? What if he's a future doctor? What if the master is the doctor? No. Right. What if all of doctors? Okay, for the so, past so so we seem to be. Hang, hang on, hang on. Okay, so we know that the doctor is not the master. 
there was this whole sequence of one time where the doctor's being put on trial and the master like shows up at one point and is like, and you know, doctor's being put on trial by this guy, the Valiard and the master's like, Oh yeah, you know, I hate you doc, you know, doctor or whatever, but I hate this guy more, you know, as I've always known him, the doctor. And it turns out it's actually like a future amalgamation version of the doctor's evilness is putting himself on trial and the master's like yeah that guy's gonna be harder to deal with so let's get rid of him instead but he was very clear about they are different people <laughs> they were more like brothers or best friends when they were in college together and that's also been alluded to and, ch- and small children too yes and the master when he looked through the schism at being a time lord you're supposed to when you become a Time Lord, you're supposed to look through the schism. Which the is untempered the, schism. It's straight yeah. into the Time Vortex. Thank you. And that just allow. And the Master went crazy when doing that, and that's why he's the way he is. It's he, a, There's a whole long st- plot line yep. about that. Does that, like, normally happen? Does do, like, half the people go crazy? And No, and we're not going to tell you what exactly happens, because we are going to encounter it yes. in a few seasons, but, um, it, and it's, like, it's a whole big thing. Uh anyway, back to this episode, I will have a couple of gripes here. And one of my gripes here is the freaking Sonic screwdriver. Yes. This thing keeps coming out this entire episode and saving the day countless times. I mean, like, what was that one move where she, like, bumps it with her hip and it, like, flies straight up into her hand? Again, like, it looked like to me it was the momentum of it. I was thinking like, this might be a new Time Lord telekinetic power or maybe a new function of this particular screwdriver. I, I was lie. just waiting for that little <laughs> back or that pow to pop out when she finally hit it. It hit her hand because <laughs> it was so cartoonesque. Oh man, yeah, it, it really was, and like it just it moved in a really weird direction. I think that's speed. The, it was. It's the yeah. way it was shot. I think because yeah. obviously someone had to throw it up to her and she had to catch it, so it was kind of an awkward thing. Yeah, and they threw it too fast. Like, cartoony. Yeah, but it also back to more classic Doctor Who. Another throwback of cartoony, badly orchestrated. <laughs> Except that never happened. Phenomenal. They never did that with the Sonic Shootout. Okay, but but they did have an inflatable chair eat somebody okay. by deflating on him. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of. They also had a had a villain that was literally spray painted bubble wrap. Well, that's budgetary things. This is a little bit different. This is more like, okay, we're now into 2020 and we have to throw a sonic screwdriver out of somebody's pocket so they can catch it. It just, it didn't look good. Yeah, and, just talk to your average magician and you could have had like a string like, whoop, oh, and now it's in my hand. Or, or the, she could have just like, you know, pressed the button against, you know, with her hip against the wall and undid her cuffs that way or something. I do know one reason why we keep seeing Sonic Screwdriver, and that's because it's a great marketing tool for all those little kitties who want to get their little grubby hands on the Sonic device of their choice. Well, and also the new, the other Doctor we encountered this season didn't have one and didn't know what it was. So yeah. Maybe the Sonic Screwdriver is another... Thing that's going to die at the end of the season. It might. It, 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 it certainly seems like maybe that's what, what's about to happen. Um, I wanted to also gripe about... Um, well, I'll do the other gripe a little bit later. I wanted to go into Tebow um, because yeah. he, I think, was an interesting character in this particular story. I think he actually... 
he, he kind of gave a little bit more humanity to Ryan's character, which I, I, I'm glad that Ryan got a chance to actually have a better interaction. We got way more backstory on Yaz, too. Oh, yeah. yeah Yaz had a big moment. Her and that one cough and... Yes. The whole thing and her sister, yeah. Again, keeping the theme of, like, female empowerment going this season. Well, and, you know, I gotta say, the only thing that was even vaguely political here was the fact that they had part of it set in Aleppo. Yeah. And that was, like, really uh, kind of a stretch, so I really think that they moved away from political comments here. Yeah, and I I wouldn't say... something in ancient Syria is a political commentary? I I don't know, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, like... The well, they were like, oh, you know, like, the Muslims were amazing doctors and far advanced for their time and stuff uh, like that. all went right over my uh, head. <laughs> which which was all true, that's but, like... Factual. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. not really political, though. But, I mean, it, it's just given what's going on right now, I think it was, like, a... It, it was... The point of them saying all that stuff and setting it there was not because they wanted to focus on that point in time and that place. It was a commentary on today's thing, and they just decided that they could throw that commentary in if they made this scene set here. But, like I said, it was a really vague one, so I feel yeah, like we're moving in like the right Derek direction. Yeah, wrote, like, last episode was like, oh, God. I like the nightmare creature they threw back in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the amalgamation of that girl's thoughts to hear a... A werewolf? Yeah, kind of. Or like, like, like when I saw the dogs, I thought, like, is this the Slovene coming back? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it did. If only. All right, Pete. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to get to my other gripe, and that is when Graham at the end is talking to the doctor. And he goes into this very heartfelt talk about he's worried about getting his cancer back. And the doctor does not actually respond. And. A lot of people had gripes about that. That was well, annoying. Well, it was actually something the BBC actually had to write write out or write a commentary on I because saw that. so many people had written into the BBC saying how horrible that was. It was. It's a little against the Doctor's character, especially if you watch Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and David Tennant eras. They're more likely going to say something. Or just but, provide a spectacular cure that came about in the future or whatever. But I do also understand the BBC's explanation is that the doctor at that point didn't know what to say because what do you say to someone who says, I, I feel like I could be dying? Yeah, I mean, not I that. Give, like, I think it was to give like true credence to the moment. Like you could be a, a knowledgeable being who's been throughout all the time and space and it's still difficult to have cancer looming over your head. I, I, I think, think it was an easy answer, but you know, the doctor also has, you know, traditionally like she said and was quoted, you know, been, Kind of socially awkward. I, I think there are maybe some of these moments where some of those things happen. I think it's more the, like what we were talking about earlier is that the companions, I think, are going to leave at the end of this season. And they're trying to show that there is like a gap. And I mean, even at the beginning of the episode where the doctor has to start the adventure on her own and she's like is lost and doesn't quite know what to do. I think it's trying to show, like, hey, she's vulnerable without her companions, and she's not being a very good companion back to them this season, and they're all kind of, like, doubting it, and doubting the relationship, and doubting her a little bit, and here this guy comes to her for, like, some help, and she is worthless in that aspect, and I I think he might be like, okay, like, well, then maybe this isn't the place I need to be. I find the uh, argument that the doctor is socially awkward to be kind of an oddity, 
at this stage because she's actually presented herself as not very socially awkward when she goes and talks to Tesla, when she goes to talk to all the people from the past, and when she starts ta- talking up her her game to to everybody. Now she, I mean, granted, this doctor tends to be more socially awkward in general than some of the other incarnations. But she's also proven that she just goes in and, and is able to say what she needs to say without necessarily being awkward about it. That's fair. I mean, you know, what that's, that's, like- that's the typical baseline. That's that's what happens, you know, in terms of Doctor Who. When when it matters, the Doctor says what's important. But I think still we see a lot of glimpses of you know not a standard response from the Doctor. Something that isn't it just, quite there. Yeah, you- Sometimes the Doctor is thinking in a doctory way. You know, across from things trying to solve problems, it doesn't always come together instantly. And I think just like I think this was a way to make the doc- doctor a little bit more fallible and humanized, just as it was to elevate, you know, the tragedy that cancer truly is. Yeah, but this is a problem that the doctor has faced many times with his companions or her companions. The whole concept of I don't really age, and all of you guys are going to die like in an instant compared to me. And he's had this type of conversation with tons of them before, and basically it's like, you know, you're so special because you've got just this brief moment on, you know, in this universe, and, you know, you savor every bit, and you feel everything so strongly, and you get excited about things, and, you know... like Brad Pitt's speech in Troy. It's like, you know, having a great, you know, <laughs> short life just, you know, yeah, it, it's like to that. Which in. also, it, to pull it back to this episode, is uh, is kind of one of the concepts of we've got these immortals coming down and being like, oh, I wonder what it's like for them just being so ephemeral and only they just, you know, don't care. Yeah, totally not care. But yeah, I feel like the Doctor's always been very clear on the fact of admiring humans for us being more ephemeral and the, the way that we can see and the I world with the knowledge of death. The doctor said that like in this episode too. She made a, a point of like that's what she loves about humans. You know, they love their fears, they conquer them, they keep on going. I think one thing is for certain is that this is a different incarnation of the doctor. So she's maybe not able to come up with something to say to Graham because she she is feeling like maybe maybe the weight of her living such a long life is what she already knows that she would start talking about if she were to approach him with this and she's like maybe that's weighing on her well can she can like a doctor like save people from disease or is it just like in the moment like can you can she be like, oh, well, I will def- I'll give you this technology that doesn't exist on Earth so yeah. you can survive? I've done it before. A couple of times. Easily that would happen. But yeah, I see this doctor as, you know, you know, on the surface, you know, very emotionally connected. She calls, you know, them like, friends and family, you know, her companions. But at the same point in time, it seems like there's a lot that's important to her that she keeps hidden. That's a lot this season, too, yeah. Not that that's not always been there, but I think it's been a lot more apparent. Um, And we've seen some closer sharing with other companions that we haven't seen here. Yeah, and that that kind of leads into what Kelsey was saying, too. She is called Doctor Who. And I I think it's also kind of showing, like, I I don't know, this season, like, I feel like the companions have really started to 
come into their own and they're becoming like stronger people without the doctor but she still needs them and they don't need her as much and I think that's kind of been like an underlying theme throughout this whole season no that's a fair point so rating time sure you want to start us off oh man oh sure (laughs) (laughs) dang it (laughs) uh so Actually, I like this episode. I feel like we've had a really good discussion about it, which has made me like it more. So I, I think, like, initially when I finished the episode, I was like, all right, fine, it was good. But but I actually, I've enjoyed talking about it, and, and I think it's one that I'm going to, like, think about a little bit more after the fact. And, and, I mean, nightmares and that whole aspect is is something, like, that... I don't, I've always had crazy nightmares my whole life, so like, and one of them was of that guy. Right? Yeah, well, not of this exact guy, but I have had that nightmare where you like open your eyes and there and there's somebody standing at the foot of your bed, and you close them, and you open them, and then they're gone. Like that happens all the time to me. So it is. So that did kind of like resonate with me a lot, like villain wise. It kind of creeped me out a little bit, but but overall, I think I think it was actually really good character development episode. Like I feel like everybody had some good moments where it kind of moved the relationship plots with all the characters forward, which I always enjoy that kind of interaction in the episode. Um, And it didn't focus so much on like the new people that were just featuring in this episode. It focused more on like the core group. Um, So I am going to give this one a seven. All right, Colin. All right. I, I resonate with a lot of that. I, I thought this was a solid episode. Um, I really love the initial creature from back in Aleppo. I just think it was cool. I thought the aesthetic was on point. And I love that, you know, that fear was conquered in the end and kind of became an ally. I, I like that aspect, too. That's, that's fun for me. I know it's a minor part of the story, but neither here nor there. Um, a lot of my interest, you know, a lot of times comes down to the villain the situation that we have here. And I thought these were pretty powerful. You know, we had immortals, you know, creatures that potentially come from outside of the universe that can't die and have this massive influence and powers. And um, we got to see, you know, one come back, you know, from some sort of a a semi-eternal prison. And we got to get them both back in there again. Um, I thought that was a pretty epic arc. And I really like that it, it nodded to the greater arc of this this season, you know, coming back to the timeless child and the mystery there, I, I think it's enough to get our juices flowing as we have three more episodes to go here. So the fingering also helped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that was another nice uh, creepy aspect. Um, but Kelsey, I, I think you're right. There's there's some good character development here too, and I see my ratings rising just as we're we're talking more and more about it as well. Um, but this was pretty solid for me. I, I am tempted to also give it a 7 out of 10. Pending, pending rating. Rating approved, 7 out of 10. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no, different yeah, way of doing yeah all right then. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think it was kind of interesting that they played on the fact that, you know, with all of the Doctor's adventures, more often than not, when she encounters someone who's imprisoned, they're wrongfully imprisoned, <laughs> you know? So she just kind of assumed that that was the case here. And it was really, you know, ultimately a fairly easy trap. 
And, but you know, it's exactly, again, exactly the type of trap that she followed for, like we saw previously. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. I kind of echoing what Colin Kelsey said, the character development was good and the villains were creepy. Um, I felt like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't like have me on the edge of my seat the whole time or anything like that, but it definitely was intriguing and brought up some really great talking points. I am also going to give this one a seven. Wow. Good lord. Are you going to break the trend? <laughs> before before we all talked, it was going to be a six and a half for me. But yeah. I've, I've raised it in my mind. I think the flaws have been minimal and it's pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, I raised it in my mind too. Interesting. This is a... This Michael's is a, like, after I heard your guys' opinions, <laughs> my opinion went way down. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. That, uh, any rate, if I can rate this thing, this was a this was a piece that kind of touched on mental health, and I think for the most part, for the the first seventy five percent of the story, it actually did quite a good job. It actually, um, and it also kind of delved into people's fears, people's yearnings to um, not dream. A, the certain things that they're dreaming because whatever yeah. has haunted them from their past seems to continue to haunt them. You're not dealing with their problems. Exactly. So, and I mean, yes, I agree. It's a character piece. It's a lot of development for the main cast, which is kind of important because we've been kind of sidelining them pretty much the most of the season. Whereas this is more, more, Focused on that. Matter of fact, I like the fact that these secondary characters, such as Tahira and Toby, uh, Toby was definitely prominent, but Tahira was not as important as Ryan and Yaz and Graham because they all had their their character development. I think was far more important. And um, again, the Sonic Screwdriver, man, I I am really. I mean, I love the Sonic Screwdriver to a degree. But when you use it to trap the bad guys and you use it to get their every bit of information from a set of planets that's outside your spaceship and completely in the middle of the universe, and you use it to um, escape from handcuffs handcuffs that you obviously shouldn't be able to get to, your Sonic Screwdriver, with, uh, I just, it seemed... That was really negative for me. It's just, it just too much sonic devicing today. Um, again, the, the reaction that the doctor had could have been a little bit better. I can understand the, the need to say, okay, I don't, I don't know what to say at this moment, but let me get back to you kind of thing. Um, that, I, that I could see them playing with, but the way it was done just seemed, to, it was a cop-out. It, it just seemed to be a cop-out. I'm going to give this episode a 6.5. Kind of what Colin was thinking originally. I'm not going to go up with it. I'm going to keep it where it was. I'm swayable, just too agreeable. What can I say? <laughs> well, thanks for joining us this week. You can catch us next week on the Whovian Review. Actually, you can catch us twice next week on the Whovian Review. Say what? Well, twice this week, Saturday. <laughs> yeah. True. Double the pleasure, double the fun, double the Whovian Review. We, uh, Shelby and I will be uh, getting together Saturday, and we'll be doing a classic story. Still have no idea which one yet, but probably we'll surprise you. And if you're really itching to hear us again, you know, in the interim, 
We have hundreds of episodes to dive back through. Who's, who's listened to them all? Come on, give us a listen. Share with your friends on Twitter. Like us on the Facebook. This is sounding like Are a PBS commercial. <laughs> In fact, if you guys want to listen to Kelsey's first ever episode of Doctor Who and podcasts, you can go back and listen to It Takes You Away from last season. Oh. You brought it up, so I thought uh, I'd dish out. I wonder what your first episode was. Do you remember the story? My first episode or my first podcast? Your first podcast. Oh, um... Which would be kind of the same thing. No, I've seen... <laughs> <laughs> the podcast yeah, I episode. I Soul Attracts one, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you had true. seen Doctor Who But you weren't as an incredible addition yeah, to this group. That was, that was no. still... That was still... Okay, but my first episode ever, we discovered what was that one? Oh, the 50th anniversary special. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like, wow, this show's really confusing. I don't know. Maybe I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know my first episode was the first episode, or the first story, or podcast that we did, which was way back in 2013. Hey, yeah. Okay, when everyone else here is saying first episode, we're all talking about first episode of yeah, Doctor Who no, we watch. <laughs> My first episode was Warriors of the Deep, Peter Davison. Ah. Well, if you're talking about my first episode, it was, uh, I, I guess it was 2005 when Rose. this uh, re- reboot came in. It was, uh, yeah, it was Rose. Episode one, season one. Uh, Rose by any other name. Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, non-classic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, saw the, I saw Warriors of the Deep when it first aired in the United States. So, if that dates me a little. <laughs> I saw I still A Good Man know. Goes to War when it first aired, and that was my first one. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty awful one. What was my I mean, it's a phenomenal episode, but it's an awful one to start. Uh, the Day of the yeah. Doctor. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, it's a good good episode, but terrible one to start Day off with. Day of the D. <laughs> that, that would be a really good, uh, a, a good episode, or a good podcast for us to do, sorry, would be for us to go through and figure out what would be a good starting point for new Who fans. Oh, well, uh, matter of fact, yeah, we, we could extend that to all other media and actually do a video on it. That sounds kind of like a Shelby and Michael thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've extended this podcast far enough. Have a great night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.